We're in the Kingdom series, and my dad preached an offense last week, which I thought was absolutely outstanding. And I encourage every single person to listen to that again and again and again. It's one of the greatest issues that come against God's people for the advancement of his kingdom is offense. I'm going to quickly give a little bit of recap. Because it's been two weeks since I started on the kingdom, I want to quickly do it. Because we're going into facility, whenever there is change, wherever there's something new, whenever something happens, we need to have what I call a kingdom mindset. So often we hear the phrase, oh, they're a kingdom person, or have a kingdom thought, or have a kingdom mindset. What does that actually mean? What does that mean practically for a person to do that? Because if you've been in the church for a little while, you have an understanding. You know, there's a jargon, there's a church lingo. But you know what's not helpful? Is that the people in the world have no clue what you're talking about. So what does it mean practically when we say a kingdom person? Oh, that's not a kingdom decision, because we're going to speak about decisions today. How exciting. I wrote here, we see with the people of Israel, every single time there was an issue in their journey towards God's spacious place, because that's in a sense where we're heading. Every time something didn't go well, they say God tricked us, because they hadn't learned to trust his nature and his character. God tricked us. He brought us here to die. And we read that now, and we think, how silly, but we all do it. God, we're on a journey to God's spacious place and say, well, look at that. I told you, look what's happening. We all do it. And it's lack of a kingdom understanding. And I wrote here, the thinking of Egypt cannot abide in the land of Canaan. We cannot think like slaves in the promised land. Because if you think like slaves there, there's enemy there. And we have to learn to think like sons in order to defeat the enemy that's on our land. All right, so kingdom meaning. What does the kingdom mean? I wrote again, I did this last, a couple weeks ago. The kingdom is not the church. Please understand this. The kingdom is not the church. The kingdom is not the church. The kingdom means the king's dominion. It's the king's dominion, the king's domain. It's the dominion of a king. And the kingdom will never pass away. The kingdom is unshakable. The kingdom is in our midst. For those who are very spiritual people, we always think in the context of heaven and earth, and we think like a cartoon, heaven up there with angels and clouds. Even when we pray, we look up, which I understand. The Bible says look up, and I understand that. But biblically speaking, the supernatural realm, the kingdom of God is all around you. You just cannot see it. Jesus said, the kingdom is in your midst. That's what Jesus said. The kingdom is in your midst. He said, the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is here. He said, but it doesn't come with observation. You cannot say, well, there it is, and, and there it is. These are basic truths, but very, very important. The kingdom is far bigger than the church. I said again a couple of weeks ago, I used to work for an agency, a company that was, uh, was an integrated agency, and it was an agency that used to sell all of Gillette's products. We were not Gillette. We were the agency through which Gillette sold its products into the store. The church is not the kingdom. The church is the agency through which the kingdom comes. Very important to understand. It's the agency through which the kingdom is going to be made manifest on the earth. And you are the church. You know what's funny when people say, you know, I just have a problem with the church. Are you looking in the mirror when you say that? Because you are the church. So, you know, the church should do this. Maybe you should. It's just an interesting way to think. You are the church. You don't go to church. You are the church. So, in this kingdom, I'm going to say this very briefly, in this kingdom there is a king. And I want to tell you a very little bit about this king. He has ultimate authority, but he also has perfect leadership. Friends, we have to understand the difference between leadership and authority. I have authority because I sit in this seat as a pastor. 
That doesn't mean I can lead. Leadership is a gift. Authority is delegated. What I'm saying is authority is delegated. You have authority because someone has delegated your authority. Someone has given you keys. Someone has placed you in a seat. Someone has made you a CEO. So therefore you have authority. You have the ability to make decisions. Yes, no, for other people, for yourself. You have authority. But not every person in authority is also a good leader. Because leadership is a gift. It's not a seat. It's a gift. We all know people that have not been given authority, but if they had, we would follow them. Why? Because they have a leadership gift. There's a big difference between leadership and authority, and unfortunately, not everybody who is in a position of authority actually can lead. We just follow them because we have to. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, well, they're in charge, but they make it bad decisions. We follow them because they've been delegated authority, because they have authority and we respect the seat, we respect the position. But that doesn't necessarily mean they have leadership. Our king has ultimate authority. There is none higher. None. But he has perfect leadership. The Bible says he went before you and tasted death for you. He goes before. So we will not settle, we will not understand anything to do with the kingdom. I could preach on kingdom for three years, and I could. I love the subject. It's one of my favorite next to grace and identity. I love it. But unless you see the king of the kingdom, you'll never understand the kingdom because it follows the personality of the king. What else about this king? He has complete power. Theologically, you call that omnipotent. Complete power. Again, power is different to authority. Very, very different. A person can sit in a seat of authority. doesn't mean he has spiritual power. Power. I'm talking lay hands. Power. The power of the Holy Spirit impact a person like that. Supernatural power. He has complete power. Complete power. And he has all knowledge. The word is omniscient. He has all knowledge of our world and beyond our world. Because he made this world. The Bible says all things were made, were created through him and for him. So he has all knowledge. He has perfect leadership. He has ultimate authority. And he has complete power. But you know what's interesting about our king? He's not really known for any of those. His greatest reputation is love. You ask what are they known for? That's what Jesus is known for. His love. He has all those things, and yet he chooses love. That's our king, friends. That's someone I want to be like. That's someone I want to follow. That's someone I want to worship. That's why he's the king and not you. Kingdom means king's domain. Okay. The kingdom was Christ's focus. We've touched on that. The kingdom is our given priority by Christ. Matthew 6.33. Seek First, the kingdom. That word first is the word proton in the Greek. It means first in rank, first in priority, first in profile, first in focus. First. Now when I moved out to this country, I was 24, and I came from a city that I thought was busy. And it was very busy, it was very fast-paced. I actually found this place a little slower, not anymore since I had kids. It speeds up. But when I came here, I was overwhelmed by the voices by the options and the voices and the bombardment of TV and opinions. And, and the first week I was here, I wrote in my journal, help me, Lord, to keep you first in focus, first in love, first in my heart, first in the morning, everything first, 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 because I could feel the pressure. It just is in the culture. The kingdom is our given priority. Seek first the kingdom. 
So in everything you seek, first the kingdom. Seek the dominion of the king. Seek the advancement of his kingdom, not yours. Seek the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. In your business, seek the kingdom. The kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. We've touched on this. I'm just recapping. Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In other words, what? The kingdom of God, your spiritual realities, not physical ones. And they are all contained within the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit is the person that has the ability that has been given to manifest that invisible realm in our one, where the two collide and the one will always win. Because it has higher authority. That person, is, his name is the Holy Spirit. All kingdom reality, all the supernatural, everything in that realm, in that realm, is contained in the person of the Holy Spirit. And when you get saved, he comes to live inside you. So, the kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. For example, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. I think it's John 16, 13. The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. Well, why does he do that? Why does he guide you into truth? What is the nature of truth? Truth sets free. Truth sets at liberty. That's the very nature. You bump into truth, it sets you free. You run by truth, you feel free. Truth sets free. It's the nature of truth. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I leave. Imagine being there when Jesus said that. You would have said, no, 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 no. You and I have a disagreement here. It's to your advantage that I leave. Why? Because I'm going to send the person of the Holy Spirit and he will guide you into truth. Why? Because truth sets free. And then the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Greek says it better. Wherever the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is given lordship, there liberty and freedom reign. Why? Because in Romans chapter 8, it says the sons of God, which you are if you're saved, you're all sons, because you're in Christ and he's a son, but we'll just say sons and daughters. But it says the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. You know what the context is there? It's to put off the sinful nature. It's to put off the flesh. Why, friends? Galatians 5 calls it something else. It calls it walking by the Spirit. Why does he do that? Because when you follow, in a sense, the leading of the Spirit within you, he is guiding you into truth. He is guiding you into truth. And when he guides you into truth, he sets you at liberty. When he sets you at liberty, you learn to follow his voice. You learn to to listen to him because he's putting off the things of the old nature that you're born with under Adam. Why is that important? Because that nature has choices. And the fruit of those choices, if you follow the voice of your flesh, it doesn't taste good. It's rotten fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, patience, peace. It tastes good. So he guides you into truth to set you free. Because all the kingdom is contained in the person of the Holy Spirit. Very powerful. Very simple to understand. Sometimes people get, oh, kingdom, spirit. Friends, listen to the voice. Fourthly, and this is what we're going to stay on today, how is the kingdom released? So I speak about the kingdom, I used to preach about the kingdom to the young people, ad nauseum. They'd be like, we get it, king's domain, can we go to sleep now? You know, ad nauseum, because I wanted them to understand something. How do you release the kingdom? The kingdom is here, it's inside you. The kingdom is amongst you. Now, when Jesus said, when you go up to someone and you lay hands on them and they're healed, he said, tell them the kingdom has come unto you. I have just released kingdom here. And that realm 
has hit another realm, and this one always wins. So people say, so I love what you're saying about the kingdom, but how do I release the kingdom? How is the kingdom released? Four ways. Decisions. And we're going to spend the rest of the day talking just about that one, because it's the most important one. Decisions. Declaration. Demonstration. And discipleship. Demonstration is both demonstration in character. Do you know what I mean? You demonstrate the kingdom in terms of you live a kingdom lifestyle. It's a life lived. You're demonstrating what a kingdom life looks like through your character and demonstration of power. That's how the kingdom is released through your life. A demonstration of character is sometimes more influential in a city than a demonstration of power, especially if it's in a position of authority. In declaration, both in preaching, how will they hear if some will not go, how will they go if some will not preach, you know that verse? Declaration, the kingdom is released through declaration of preaching and your daily speech. Again, especially if you're one who sits in authority. What a teacher, a mom, a dad says over a child is important. Declaration. And through discipleship of people, individual people, and nations. Jesus said, disciple the nations. So, that's how the kingdom is released. Today we're going to talk about decisions. Decisions are hard. Why is it so difficult to make good decisions? Have you ever asked yourself that question? I know what I should do, I don't want to do it. Why? I know it's going to be bad for me. I still want to do it. I know, you know, it's going to be fun now, but awful then. I still want to do it. Why? Why are we like that? Why is it difficult to make good decisions? Let me explain. Kingdom living, kingdom life, starts with kingdom thinking. When we make kingdom decisions, we have listened to and partnered with and allowed the Holy Spirit to reveal the kingdom into your heart. He has come and spoken something to you. Forgive them. Let them go. Give this. Or love. He has spoken, he has whispered something into your ear of the kingdom. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Talk about declaration. He will declare it to you in your heart. We call it revelation. We go, aha. We call it revelation. Jesus called it the declaration of the Holy Spirit in your heart. He will take of what is mine. Why did Jesus say of what is mine? Because it's his kingdom. He will take of what is mine and he will declare it to you. So we hear the Holy Spirit whisper in our heart. You know that every time you hear the voice of God, the voice of the Lord, it's the Holy Spirit speaking. Every time. People struggle with that. In the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, it says, For the Lord said. And they would have understood that as God. In the New Testament, when it quotes that verse in the book of Hebrews, it says, For the Holy Spirit said. Because he is the one who speaks into the earth on God's behalf. He's the person that brings those realities. So the Holy Spirit speaks into your heart and something of the kingdom comes alive or he reveals a truth to you. For example, with me, it's the truth of the grace of God, the love of the Father, identity. Those truths are deep, deep, deep into me, into the very physical fibers of my being. And so what happens is the kingdom has been put into my heart and out of what the heart is full of, the mouth will speak. So first, it's here. 
To, be a, to live a kingdom life, you have to learn to think like a kingdom person. And once you learn to think and make decisions like a kingdom person, it will move towards kingdom declaration and kingdom demonstration. And then by mistake, you won't even realize it. You're discipling others. That's the flow and the process of the kingdom. What does kingdom thinking do? It's very, very important. It's the way we invite the king into our life. When you make decisions, it's this time of year, it's the beginning of the year, you're making decisions. This is why part of the reason I'm speaking about this. You're making decisions about your family, you're making decisions about your finances, you're making decisions about your children, about maybe moving house, or you're making decisions. What filter do you have? What filter do you have in your heart and in your eyes and in your life? This is not a heavy, this is to try to help you. Because when you make decisions, there is always a kingdom decision possible. Always. That kingdom decision will bear kingdom fruit. Sometimes we just don't know. What's the kingdom thing to do? I don't know. That's why you have spiritual mothers and fathers. And you know why sometimes if we're honest, why we don't ask? Because we know what they're going to say and we don't want to do it, so we just don't ask. What does kingdom thinking do? It puts a kingdom filter in you, friends. It puts a kingdom filter in you. So that's what begins to happen. You start to think like a kingdom person where it would actually, eventually, it would be strange to make a decision that isn't one. It would feel so strange to you because you're used to going through a process. You get into a, a pattern, a practice, a discipline. What should I do here? What's the kingdom thought? This person has just come at me and hurled insults at me and done this kind of thing. How do I react in a kingdom way? Just get back at them? No. There's a kingdom way to do that. This person has taken my money. How do I react? Well, what's the kingdom thing to do? Jesus said, if someone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. You know what that was? It was a Roman army practice of impressment. They were legally allowed to impress upon any citizen, any person, to carry all their gear for one mile. And they hated the Romans. Jesus said, if someone asks you to go one mile, go two. That's the kingdom heart. There's always a kingdom way. Now, I've also said kingdom thinking requires repentance. Why? And I'm talking about, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so this. Please stop doing that. Honestly, just stop it. Because that's not the Father's heart for you. Repentance in the New Testament is the Greek word metanoia. It means change the way you think. So a kingdom thinking means repentance here. That's what Jesus came preaching. It says he came preaching the kingdom of God. He said, repent for the gospel of the kingdom is at hand. So in other words, he's saying, change the way you think because now I've come. And this good news, gospel, the good news of the realm from which I'm from has now been made available to you. So start changing the way you think. That's what he was saying. We get so used to the churchy words, repent, gospel, kingdom. We don't actually know what he was saying. So changing the way you think. Let me explain this very briefly. Very important, friends. These are the basics of the kingdom. How powerful is a kingdom decision? A decision. I'm not talking about ministry. I'm not talking about preaching what I'm doing now. How powerful is a decision? The Bible says that the devil is the prince of the air. Yeah? So anybody who's not in Christ is still under that system. Why do you think the cultures of the world are so different? Because the Bible in the book of Timothy talks about the doctrine of demons. What is that? We call that a belief system. You have a belief system based on doctrine. You know the enemy has a belief system? 
He has a doctrine. He has a system and a pattern of beliefs based on lies, fear, deceit, murder, envy. He has a belief system. And he preaches his belief system in your mind constantly. The cultures of the world, which belief system do you think they're going to be based on? Who's the prince of the air? So when Jesus comes along, he says, hey, I have a kingdom. You know what, guys? I'm here with a kingdom. The kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. Anytime you act according to this kingdom, you start to advance my domain where you are because you're altering and shifting the very system, the very culture, because you're bringing my authority, which is greater authority, bringing my kingdom into your life through a decision. Just through a decision. The way you parent your children, the way you treat your spouse, are they kingdom decisions? If they're kingdom decisions, they have heaven's authority behind them. And if they have heaven's authority behind them, they shift and alter the atmosphere, literally in your home, in your place of business, in your children's bedroom. They will shift because you have the kingdom of authority has come through a decision. Through a decision. And people get so spiritual. I'm going to pray. Do that. But you will have to do a lot of that. A lot of that. If your decisions aren't kingdom. Because you just invite warfare. I hope this is helping you. When you make decisions, this is what Jesus was saying. Think like me. Think like the culture that I'm bringing. Think like the culture of heaven. It's actually what he's saying. The book of Matthew... For those of you who just love the subject of the kingdom, the book of Matthew is what I call the kingdom book. It's all about the kingdom. If you want to understand the kingdom, go read the book of Matthew. More times in the book of Matthew, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. Go to chapter 5, verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. Right? Who's speaking? Jesus. But whoever slaps you on the cheek, the right cheek, turn to him the other also. So he says, verse 43, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your neighbor and love your enemies. Why was this so offensive to the Pharisees? I want to pause here for a second. Jesus said, you have heard, but I say to you, you have heard that it was said. Who was it that said? It was God. He's quoting the book of the law. Quoting the book of Moses. To them, the Pharisees used to call themselves the sons of Moses. Moses was like everything to them. So he's standing in front of them saying, you've heard that it was said, quoting the law, but I say this. So who are you to say something other than what God said? That's what he was doing. He said, I am the one who was, who is to come. The one who was before. I am the great I am. I am the prince of peace. I am that I am. I was there, I'm going to be there. Because they weren't having the perspective of eternity. Jesus had the perspective of, yeah guys, the law of Moses was for a season, but I was there in the beginning, and I'm going to be there at the end, and I want to show you, now that I'm here, my kingdom can come on the earth. So that's why when you ask me how to pray, I'm going to teach you, let your kingdom come. You see the bigger picture? Is it a hope it's dropping in? Jesus, his chief focus, let me teach you the kingdom. Let me teach you not the law, let me teach you the kingdom. So you've heard it said, but I say to you. Then if you go to the next one, go to chapter 7, verse 24. Chapter 5, 6, and 7 in the book of Matthew is known as the Beatitudes. He's teaching on what the kingdom is like, a kingdom person. Then he says this, right at the end. He says, therefore, 
Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house. And we know the story. And it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. Who's the rock there? Christ. We understand that. But what did he actually say? He says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Whoever hears about the kingdom and whoever hears what I teach about the kingdom and everything about the kingdom, the person who does them and actually thinks and applies them to his life and learns to think like a kingdom person is like a person who will build his life upon a kingdom, who will build his life upon the kingdom principles, upon a kingdom saying, and when life happens, and life will happen. It'll come against your house. It'll come against what you've built. It'll come against what you've worked for. And you know what? It will stand. Why? Because when you build on the kingdom, it's the only thing that is unshakable. So if you build this way, everything will remain. You can work really hard and not build that way, and it'll get washed away. He's saying, it's your choice. My love for you is the same. My power is the same. My forgiveness is there. Your destination, heaven, will still be there. Salvation is the same. But that's the way you want to build. That's up to you. That's the kingdom. It's the power of a decision. Matthew 13. Friend, can you see how when you see this in your heart, how it changes the way you think? Yeah? Can you see? If you were to actually go home and practice, literally, go home and read, go home and try to think, Lord, what is this like? Jesus said, the one who hears and actually does. Jesus actually said that. The one who hears and does. You're saying you actually have to do something here. Matthew 13, go to verse 11. It says here, The disciples came to him, verse 10, and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, he said, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Who's he talking to? The ones he called, right? He disciples, he called them, he called them. To Christians now, it has been given to know the mysteries of heaven. The church, you are the church. The church, the ecclesia in the Greek, is the called out ones. You are the ones who have been called. To you have been given the ability to understand the mysteries of heaven now that he's come. And how you steward them, or whoever has to him more will be given. And we will have an abundance. How you steward the mysteries, the revelation that God gives, will tell you whether he's going to give you more. You know when you hear a person, who's ever heard Bill Johnson preach? You know he preaches and you're like, dude, slow down. Every sentence he says, there's so much in it. That's not because of the power encounter that he had. It's because of his kingdom decisions. He's been entrusted with kingdom mystery. And he's stewarded kingdom mysteries that he's been given so God will give him more. It's the same in the world. Go to verse 24. I'm just going through this fast. The kingdom of heaven... Another parable he put, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in the field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. You know what a tear is? It looks exactly like wheat. When it grows up, it looks exactly the same. Only when it's fully, fully, fully mature, the last few months, can you tell the difference. They look literally exactly the same. So what's he saying here? It's very fascinating. He says, but when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? What's the response? He says, how then does it have tares? He says, an enemy has done this. Very, very important. Why? The seed is good, and the enemy is the one who comes with counterfeit. It looks the same, but it's not. It looks the same, but it's not. There's a lot of counterfeit truths. There's a lot of counterfeit people out there. There's a lot of counterfeit teachers out there. There's a lot of counterfeit things. They look the same, 
but they're not based on the kingdom. And you know how you'll tell? When they grow up. When the fruit comes out. You will know them by their fruit. Because it's not based on the kingdom, on the word of God. So what happens to the people who are exposed to that? They blame the father. Did you not sow good seed? Don't we do that? God, why is this happening? And he says, an enemy has done this. It's not me, son. An enemy has done this. He comes to sow confusion so that you cannot tell the good from the bad. He said, this is what the kingdom is like. Friends, go read verse 31. The kingdom of leaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. We know, so it became a tree, and the big tree, and the birds of the air have its rest. What's he saying? He's saying the smallest kingdom principle, the smallest kingdom principle, if you understand the kingdom, you can sow the smallest kingdom principle. And it will actually practically, even practically, financially, your house, your family, if you sow small little kingdom principles, when it grows up, you will find an entire group of people will have rest and have shade because of a smallest little principle, because it's based on the kingdom. That's what he's actually saying. And he says the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Every time the Bible's used leaven, it's actually talking about sin. In this context, it's not. It says the kingdom is like leaven. It is kneaded, kneaded with a K, into the dough. What's he saying? You can take a very small amount of the kingdom. It has an inherent quality in it that will, just like yeast, the kingdom will produce life. The kingdom will expand. The kingdom will do something all by itself. The inherent quality inside it is actually the person of the Holy Spirit. But it takes what? Kneading. You don't just throw it on the dough. You've got to work it in. You've got to massage it in. I look at Bill and Beth. For years, they've been pressing the same issue with kids and with outreach. They're kneading it. And you know what? Fruit will come. It has come. More fruit will come. Some of you have been pursuing healing year after year after year. You're kneading it in. Inside is an inherent quality. Breakthrough will come. It's inherent in the kingdom. It has to come. It's a quality that's already there. Friends, kingdom decisions. Invite him in. Friends, the kingdom is a passion of mine. I'm sure you can tell. I'm asking each one of you, ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. Invite him in. Because when you start to make kingdom decisions, what are you saying? Lord, king, kingdom, king, you come into this situation. You know that not even the Jewish people wanted to do that. They were all happy, the Bible says, to go to him outside. But it says he had no place to lay his head. They didn't want Jesus to come into their house. He had to sleep on the Mount of Olives, it says. Why? I'm happy to get healed and raised from the dead but I don't want you in my house so that you see how I treat my wife. So you stay over there, Jesus, because I don't want you to bring your kingly authority around my house. I'll come to you, and you stay there so I can go home and keep doing what I want to do. That's what was happening to Jesus. He had to walk up the Mount of Olives and go to sleep. A kingdom person says, Jesus, come into my home. Because when he went into Zacchaeus' home, he gave away four times everything he stole. So when Jesus comes into your home... Things shift. A kingdom person says, Lord, come. It might be hard in the beginning, but come because you have good things for me. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for their grace. I thank you for your heart. I thank you for the offering. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit. 
Father, I pray let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in our lives, in our hearts, in our marriages, in our finances. Lord, teach us your financial system. In our parenting, let your kingdom come. Teach us to make kingdom decisions. Teach us to be a kingdom people, not slaves in Egypt, but a kingdom people with a king. In Jesus' name.